This is the Gig Ready Podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. Kind of a different bit of a show today. Joe and I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about where the industry is. We're going to get uh, a quick update uh, in a little bit from our good buddy Dwayne, who is uh, working for the Live Event Coalition, and uh, they've been working on Capitol Hill and with other awesome uh, politicians that are in our corner looking at the live event industry and how we can um, find ways to help keep us sustained just a little bit longer as we're trying to get back into the swing of things. We're excited for that. Um, But quick reminder, tell your friends. We hope that you've been enjoying what you're hearing and uh, bringing value, whether it is talking about scenic or video or audio or, you know, making fun of video guys like myself uh, who run their cables in the wrong directions, kind of like last week with our friend Mike, who was knocking my chops a little bit. But Uh, We just wanted to say thanks for listening and uh, tell some other people about it. Subscribe to the podcast on your uh, podcast app, whichever one you choose, whether it's Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or any of the like. There's tons of them out there. And um, we would love to hear from you. So uh, you can email both Joe and myself, Mac at morethanlight.com and uh, gigready at gigrent.com. And we want to know what you guys want to hear Uh, I think next week we're going to do a really great episode talking with some business owners who have gone from being a technician to being a business owner and what that road and what that process was like. Got some great guests that we're going to have. But this week, uh, we just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about where the industry is. What are we doing? What are we seeing? Um, Joe and I both have been having a lot of great conversations with technicians and other people that are getting back to work, and we're excited about it. So I guess we'll just kick it off. Joe, Great to be here. Thanks for being here. We appreciate having you. I love being here every Monday. That's right. Every Monday. We're excited about it. Um, So we're seeing a lot of movement. I have uh, my company has seen four shows in the last five weeks um, just happening, popping up all kinds of last minute stuff that has been coming around the corner. Give me an idea of where you're at. What who have you been talking to? What are some of the excitement, exciting things you've seen so far? Well, I've seen a few things uh, popping up here in, in the Pacific Northwest. We've got um, Blues Fest coming up uh, this summer. Uh, they usually do it around July 4th weekend. But they are, uh, they're actually loading in the, um, the stage for it this week, I believe. And, and it's going to be up the entire summer for um, uh, artists and whoever wants to, to, to hold an outdoor event um, on the south waterfront of uh, Portland. Awesome. Um, and it's it's going to be available to to anybody who, who wants to breeze through town and, and uh, run a show, cool. which I think is pretty cool. I think it's a great way to I think it's a great way to keep, you know, keep artists and keep music ro- rolling, um, even though you can't necessarily do it in uh, indoors or, you know, based on whatever COVID guidelines are, are the flavor of the day. Yeah. It's like ice. It's how about, like, how it's about like you? How about Zen? It's like going to Baskin Robbins when it comes to COVID compliance and per state. It's like, what, 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 what are we going to be required to do today? 
Um, yeah, but you know, I've also seen I've also seen um, you know friends uh, down in SoCal doing uh, Disney. You know, they they're they're only open currently to um, residents of California, um, okay. which is which is fine. You know, keeps it keeps it in house. But um, uh, they, from all reports, the the um, their processes and the safety and the social distancing and uh, has been uh, very well received by the guests. Um, I imagine the the lines are awesome because Heck there yeah. are no lines. Uh, you know, when you're at like 25% at Disneyland, that's like the best day at Disneyland, right? So yep. oh, I can dude, only imagine. I, yeah, it's good. I heard some people going to Disney World back when they first opened last year in July and August, and they said that it was incredible because there was nobody there. You walk through the lines. I mean, it's boom, you're on, and they were just doing everything that they wanted to do. Um, I know, of course, they've changed some of the their procedures. Like you have to register for a park before you can go into it. So then they're Correct. they're pre uh they're in advance keeping the numbers low so you don't get there and then suddenly be like oh sorry we're at capacity and you get turned away they're actually doing that all in advance which um could be a really cool way for them going forward to help uh manage people um and i think for live events too you know if we're if we're setting to capacity and you know of course with ticket sales you can limit whatever you want but then you just know where capacity is it's set up it's easily done in advance um and, uh, you know, like, uh, maybe I don't want to say it'll do away with general admission, but it'll, pr you know, it might change the way GA has done at concerts, things like that for, um, for, you know, non-seated events, things like that. Well, I think you can also, you know, I think some of the, the data and information that we're going to gain from this, uh, this time is going to be really critical, uh, for how to, be better at, at everything. You know, um, I know Disney uses those wristbands, um, to, to be your, you know, fast pass or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they can use that as, as a tracking device as well. So they can, you know, kind of see how, uh, how rides are moving and where people, wh what people want to go on and whether they don't go on to things. Um, you know, I, I think they'll learn a lot about, you know, maybe this ride isn't, that great. So they get rid of it and put it in a new one that will be. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a, a really interesting time for us because we have this like reset button that's just been pushed. And now we get it. Now we get to see what boots up and what order and, and in the best way, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think so. There's one of the great things about change is twofold. Number one, we have the opportunity to learn through it. Uh, albeit very hard and challenging. Um, I read a quote this last week. This uh, the one of the personal trainers for some of the best basketball players that exist in the world, Tim Grover. He he coached Michael Jordan uh, in terms of a personal trainer. Kobe Bryant, um, Dwayne Wade. <clears throat> excuse me. And he he made the comment in his book. He was like, "So you can deal with change one of two ways." You can either deal with it once, accept it, and move and move past that point of change, or you can constantly complain about it forever. It, you basically have one of two things. And um, that really hit me smack in the face saying, you know, how much have I been complaining about or at least making my own thoughts and feelings known about everything going on in our industry or looking at it and saying, you know what? 
there's nothing that I can do about this. We have to move in the, in a new direction. And it took a while when we, a year ago when we got into this that I, it took me a while to move into that because I was just frustrated by changes and, and your brain gets overwhelmed with change uh, after a while. But <clears throat> it's brought us some incredible new technologies. It's brought us uh, opportunity that I don't think we would have had so readily if it hadn't happened and, you know, pushed us over the edge. Um, you know, so just as Disney is going to learn new stuff, we're going to le learn new things, new ways of doing stuff, whether it's hybrid, uh, whether it is different pieces of equipment that we didn't really know how to take the best advantage of, especially live streaming and, in and integration components where you can do interactive stuff between people live in the room and people that are, are outside of the room. Like in XR, there's some really cool yeah. technology where you can bring someone in from a green screen as if they're standing right there with you in the room, but yet they could be on the other side of the world and you're interacting with them as if they're there in real time. It's, it's wild stuff. Um, yeah. And it looks broadcast like you're both standing in the same place. Um, well, it reminds me of the, it reminds me of uh, Coachella when they had Tupac, you know, yes. yeah. the ghost of Tupac yep. uh, was an epic show, but, but uh, it really reminds me of that. This, this uh, advent of XR and being able to integrate, you know, multiple things into one visual picture uh, is, is pretty cool stuff. I'm actually, I'm in the process of, of learning this guy's server and, and how it all works and, and oh, just nice. so just so i have a, a a solid understanding of you know what it can and can't do so that when you know when the time comes and a client says hey we we want to do this thing how do we do it and i'll be like okay well this is the right tool for the job yeah and then we get the people in place to do it that's so. right and and do you think you would have tried to learn the disguise server if any of this had ever happened, like, is that something that you had been thinking about for a while or did you just jump into it now because of everything that's been going on for the last 12 months? No, we, we actually been using D3 on auto shows for several years, but, but because of the capabilities of disguise growing in the way they have, uh, you know, it got me thinking that, okay, I, I really should go, you know, dive deep on that a little bit more. Um, so that, that when, when the technology gets to where it should be and uh, um, and the right opportunity for using it comes to pass, then, then I can, I can jump in the saddle and say, Hey, this is what we should do. And this is how we should do it. Um, but because I've had the time to actually sit down and, and learn it's, it's been great because it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty deep. There's a lot of layers to that yes. <laughs> system. Very, no, so. there are, there are tons of layers. Um, did it push you to learn it sooner? You think than than you would have otherwise? Uh, probably. I actually had a client that asked uh, asked me to, to look because um, they're they're putting in a system um, up in Seattle for a client up there, uh, okay. and and it's going to be a full time system. So they need they need programmers. They need people who can who can do it. So uh, I'm jumping in for that reason makes sense and they like i mean as a as a um as a vendor for them you know that is a relationship that they wanted to see you know apply to another facet of you know the events industry so you're learning you're changing um 
you know, who was, was it? Mike Tyson that said everybody has a great plan until they get punched in the mouth. Punched in the face. Um, yeah, that's that's a great one. That's one of my which favorite is in, quotes. Which is so true. I mean, dude, really, truly for me, the last 12 to 14 months up until probably February of this year really just felt like a huge punch in the face. I mean, it's like yeah, all the change and everything going on. But um, we're, we're going to grow through it and we're adaptable. I mean, how many times has the client walked into the ballroom and everything has been set up and it all looks amazing and you're programming and stuff. And they say, you know, I was thinking, and then whatever that next, (laughs) I was thinking thing happens. And then the technical director looks at him and says, well, it's going to cost you about $40,000. Yeah. I think we should do that. You know? And then whatever it is, like, you know, you move the stage from one side of the room to the other, which I've had happen. You know, it's like, well, we should do this the long way instead of the short way or, um, any number of, I think I want to, I think I want to get a, uh, like a taxi, you know, meter that the second the client says, so I've been thinking, you know, knock it down and let that, let that roll. Okay. Here's how it's, here's how much it's going to cost. That's awesome. I love that. Um, but I mean, it really is no different than that. Yes. In those instances, that's a much shorter timeline of change, but Mm. it really is an example. We can either get angry at it. And push against it or come in and say, okay, here it is. How are we going to solve this? Because that's what we do in our, we solve problems. You know, mm. we, you, we have a, vector- but I think you, I think you also plan for the problems. You know, you said, Mike Tyson said, you know, if you, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I always plan for that first punch in my mouth and yeah. have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, because ultimately you are going to get punched in the mouth and you're going to have to figure your way out of it. And if you've thought through all those problems, you're not going to have a problem. Yeah. Well, and now we've just added one more thing that we can look at going forward to say, well, we've got to at least have some sort of thought out contingency for X. Um, How are we going to handle that? And that way we can be better planned going forward. Um, I know that I've seen talking to a lot of people over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I know some people that have had four, five, six shows, April, May, um, booked out until June in a lot of ways. June seems like it's going to be a little bit slower, but um, we, we've we definitely seen uh, some really great opportunity, I think, that's coming. And, um, and, and really opening up outdoors. I mean, I think we talked about this last week, Bottle Rock is going to happen with, I think, 42,000 capacity out in Northern California. Um, the Chicago Bonner- Auto Show was just announced. Uh, they're going to do uh, an event in, um, it's going to be like six days or seven days in July. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And it's only going to be the West Hall in McCormick Place. So that's not that's not the norm. We're normally in the other halls. but uh, And then they're going to do a bunch of out, outdoor stuff on Indiana Avenue there off the West Side. That's so cool. uh, that that should be interesting. I don't I don't know that that any of my clients are going to be involved um, if they're going to do any booth build outs or anything. I haven't heard. Um, so I got to get on the horn and, and find out if, if that'd be cool play. doing some stuff outdoors. It's a total it would be a totally different avenue to approach a car show outdoors and 
you know, I, I don't even know. Well, what... it's mo- mostly the ride and drive kind of stuff, you know, where, where you can actually test drive the oh, cars. Cool. They'll, they'll build um, like uh, Jeep usually builds like a, a big outdoor structure in New York and, and you can drive up this massive mountain and back down and like test all the suspension because you're rolling over fake rocks and that kind of stuff. So, okay. um, and then there's like ones where you can, uh, you get in like a souped up, you know, Dodge charger and they drive you straight at a wall at like 60 miles an hour and then break, you know, two seconds before, but you don't get to drive that. That's professional drivers that then do that stuff. Wow. But it's terrifying. It's fun, but terrifying. Have you actually done that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they they're they're basically trying to show you the zero to sixty and whatever three point five seconds and and got it, it it goes they go they're fast and then they stop real fast. Wow. So, well, yeah. that's good though. I mean, that's all good news that they're doing. I mean, I, I think they've at this point, you know, you can't really keep everybody not working for too much longer before it. Yeah, I don't even know what would happen if if it were to keep. <clears throat> if it were to keep going the way that it was up until about two, three months ago. So um, thankfully, I don't think we're going to have to think about it. I think that we'll be able to move forward. People have found ways to uh, adapt within what we're uh, within the confines of the current guidelines with the CDC and states and federal government and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, you know, when well, able- I think that I think all of the, the summer, um, sporting events, that kind of stuff, you know, Olympics, especially, um, is going to be one that, that the world is really watching to see how it manifests itself and, and how we're able to do things in a, in a, uh, sustainable manner after the Olympics, you know, for, for other big events, sporting events, Super Bowls, you know, NBA, um, all of those things. And, and like we were talking about in the touring show that, that sports is going to be the one that tells us how to yeah. do it. And Disney is going to be the one to show us how to do it. Um, and then, and then we'll follow suit. And then the corporate, you know, all the, all the event side of things, the rock shows and that kind of stuff will, will be the first ones. And then the, the corporate shows, I think will trickle in following that. Yeah. Because, and there have been some, we corporate- have a playbook. There have been some corporate shows that have gone. Two of the last three jobs that we've done are corporate shows. Uh, and then we've got one more in Dallas next week um, that's going on. Um, you know, l- limited capacity, but they're still doing it. Yeah, I was going to say, are they, are they big? Are they, they large, large no, amount of I people? No, I think, or? like, um, let me see here. I can actually tell you because I'm looking at the drawings right now. So the way that they've got it done is they've got a ballroom that looks to be roughly a hundred. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be 150 by 150, maybe 200 by 150. And I think that they're limiting the number of people in the room to 200 and some. Okay, that's pretty... That's pretty doable. Yeah. That much space. Yeah. Lot, so lots of space. Tables spread out when I'm looking at the drawings here. Um, no, th- sorry, 300. So the room's bigger than I realized. The, the room is like 30,000 square feet-ish. Mm. So, but still, I mean, good size. Um, 
you know, reasonable table spread and everything else and, and, you know, bigger screens like normally in this case they would have done, you know, this was a breakout that would have been able to be done in a smaller room, but it, and it would have been probably 16 by nine screens or something similar to that. But in this case, they're doing 20 by 11 with, uh, you know, outboard monitors and some other stuff. So they've added some video and some other, uh, some other items that will allow for, um, that'll allow them to to increase the capacity back into the back so you don't have to have everybody so close. Um, mm. And then they're doing sound. Uh, the way they have it laid out right now, they're actually doing sound on all four sides of the ballroom. So then they keep it, uh, so they keep everything as, you know, within reasonable distance to everybody. So then they have, um, you know, good sound coverage. So then everybody feels like they're a part of the show and so on. So I think that if you take it into account... Um, and you just think through all the different nuances of what it is to have an event, It, I don't think it's a problem at all. You just go in understanding that, you know what, your bigger rooms, and, and as events come back, hotels that still have tons of meeting space. So, oh, okay, so you open up a bigger room. Instead of a room you cut in half, you just leave the whole thing open and a little more coverage, a little bit bigger video screens, and ultimately the cost is not, astronomically different you know you still have the same people doing the same jobs you still have the same crew coming in you know delivering video and audio and so on changing a little bit of your pattern of how you interact with speakers and mic people up and things of that nature um and how you uh you know get get uh you know we're, we've been passing powerpoints and stuff digitally for years so it's not like that's you know somehow a new process um so are you, are you finding, are you having to, because I, I know like uh, back of house video village and that kind of stuff, Dimmerland has always been, you know, packed in a, as tight a space as possible uh, to, to make for the most room for the attendee side of things. You know, are, are you finding that now you're having to add, you know, twice as much space to, to keep the crew distanced too? Uh, no, not twice as much space, not that much. Um, we just transition where we store equipment. So for instance, you know, the smaller breakout rooms might not, you know, in some hotels they have rooms that aren't, you know, that you would probably be able to put 15 people into. Okay. Well, let's put gear in those rooms and we just use the space backstage for, you know, to spread the people out. And then that way you don't have to worry about, uh, equipment storage and, and things like that. You put those into other rooms and then you just spread the, spread the room out when you try and jam all the gear and the people backstage. Uh, instead, let's take the gear and, you know, and you can even use equipment, honestly, as like separators and stuff like that, if you needed to, like, you know, if, if that was something that was concerning, but, um, in this particular, oh, and something else actually. So the show we did yet last week, uh, they moved the lighting guy backstage to minimize front of house. Um, I know that that's not ideal for you. I get, <laughs> I get that. I hope there was a lot of video coverage there was. so that Co he could actually see what he was Correct. doing. So there was, there was actually, what they did was they had, uh, they had two different cameras at front of house. They had a wide shot <clears throat> that was a locked iris and locked, um, camera shot out front, giving a full vista view of the whole thing. And then they put a monitor, a big, like 55 inch monitor on a stand for the, for the LD in front of it. So he could still see everything do it you know program and all that so he programmed out front before they before the job and then they rolled the console backstage and then he could see everything that he was playing back 
uh, backstage. Sure. So then that way they could get a smaller front of house position and um, and then minimize the space out there. So not not too much on the fly. It was more more really scripted and yeah, and it was it was to... all it was all like plenary type, um, you know, key, one keynote speaker talking to a group of 300 executives kind of thing. Um, sure. But they had like 300 people there and the ballroom was, a uh, you know, 200 feet long. I mean, it was big. It was it was a really long room, um, but, you know, a little bit bigger screen size, um, you know brighter better projectors but again still very minimal cost difference compared to you know doing two rooms let's say or something of that nature yeah you know i'm i'm also uh i i keep it's like just picking at the back of my brain is is um how people are interacting with one another because you know you go out you go out to the store you go out to a restaurant or whatever and people are on edge there's a lot of people uh you know getting into arguments about masks and this and that and the other and and i wonder i wonder about how the event side of things and the people that we're working with and you know a lot of us haven't worked for over a year and that's gonna that's gonna weigh on on everybody's psyche a little bit, and um, I'm I'm a little worried about how how it's gonna be coming back when when we're full throttle, you know, and the stress of of working again rears its ugly head, and and you know you're dealing with just a million things, and yeah, I'm I'm curious as to see how that's gonna manifest itself on the on show site when when we're when we're gigging full time and just going balls to the wall you know how those egos and how that that time to yourself that you've had to really dive deep on yourself and make yourself a better person well maybe you're not going to put up with that anymore you know that those things that that pissed you off so i'm i'm really curious to see how we as a as an industry bounce back from this what are your what are your thoughts on that uh i mean it it, just like we talked about last week i mean respect is going to be the biggest thing and and listening Mm. um listening before you speak really And, and listening a lot before you speak um the words coming out of your mouth are not nearly as important as the words coming out of the person across from you's mouth and but that goes both ways so it's not just one directional. It's not just that, you, you know, your words, the things that you say are less important than everyone else's. It's merely when you're in that situation, taking account of what someone else is asking, requesting, talking about, and then making the conscious choice to slow your interactions down. So one of the biggest things they talk about when it comes to negotiation, and there's a book, uh, a gentleman named Chris Voss has wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. I actually highly recommend it to anybody who's ever um, who's ever wanted to learn more about negotiation, how to truly negotiate with someone else. And there's so many good principles. But one of the things he talks about in there that I, that I really love um, is the idea that when you're in a negotiation, you are negotiating all the time. It doesn't matter who it is. You're negotiating with your kids, with your with your spouse, with your uh, with 
your business colleagues, you're always negotiating. Everything you do is a negotiation. So what you do is you slow it down. Instead of allowing it to amplify and get bigger and bigger and bigger, which is what most people do. Most people think that getting angry and getting bigger and raw will will solve a problem when it never does. It only creates a com- combative, defensive nature. Now that comes out of a defensive nature, and you, in, in, in most of the time, in us, you know, I know when I get upset and angry, most of the time I'm just getting defensive because it's something that would require change or adjustment or something to be fixed on my part when I don't want to have to do any of that. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing he recommends is he says, slow it down, take a take a breath, don't instantly respond out of that carnal like the 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 thing that makes you want to punch someone in the face, <laughs> you know, if somebody <laughs> says something to you, somebody criticizes your work, for instance, if someone were to walk up to you, like the producer and be like, Joe Mac, that sucked. And like, that was the best thing you'd done all day. And you felt like it was amazing. And you were like, I want to do that again. And then like in that moment, you probably would want to just haul off. We've definitely worked together. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, we have. You're telling this story like it's firsthand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, But instead of that, you pause, you take stock in what was just said, and then you you look at it and say, okay, what can I take from this within this interaction that is going to help and move move us forward? But ultimately just slowing it down. You slow yourself down into a place where you can then negotiate because that's what you're gonna end up doing if someone someone comes up and says, I don't even know, like, um, you know, hey, your table is four feet from me, not six, and we need to maintain a six foot bit of social distancing or or whatever the standard is at the time. We have no idea, you know, when you're doing a show. And anyhow, but let's say that they were to do that instead of just being, you know, getting up, you know, you can't tell me what to do. You stop. Deep breath. Okay. I understand what they're asking. What is that going to involve if I move? Nine times out of 10, it's probably a two minute thing that's going to require you to do almost nothing. Yeah. And so why waste your energy, your brain space and everything on something that is so simple and so straightforward and really truly won't affect you or anyone else just because you've got a stupid ego or an issue with pride. You just slow it down. You, you, you listen, you respectfully respond in a way that makes sense within that situation, and then you move on. And let's deal with the problems that actually are important in this world and not the ones that don't make a difference, you know, right. not the ones that aren't going to hurt you or anybody else in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I, I think I think, you know, all of that is is sound advice and it. I, I approach things that way. I don't, you know, jump into the deep end without thinking and listening before I speak. But I think, I think not everybody does that. Correct. And, and especially in our industry, there's several, you know, there's a lot of people that don't. Yeah. Um, I, I can, I can think of about a hundred instances on <laughs> one hand. <laughs> uh, so, so, I mean, I, I just, I, I really want to come up with a, a, that getting punched in the face strategy, that plan and, and exactly what you laid out there, taking that deep breath and yeah. being ready to negotiate in a, in a productive, uh, you know, lightful, delightful manner. 
and make it make it a positive and not a not a negative. Yeah. Um, so one of my one of my favorite quotes uh, I just found earlier this year was see the light in others and treat them as if that's all you see. If you can if you can approach any interaction with any human being in that way, you're always going to win. Yeah. Because you're you're you know you're seeing it from their perspective and i that's the one thing i really want i want to try and be better at when i'm on a job site is to understand what people are going through what people have been through what people are you know what they dealt with that morning just just so that we can treat them in the respect that and give them the respect that they need give them the space they need let them do their job and do their best work while we as a team do our best work. Yeah. No, I agree. And and you really have to approach it from the idea that nine times out of 10, 9.9 times out of 10, whatever the person is asking of you, they're not, I, I personally believe in our industry, they're not trying to be a jerk. Um, they're not trying to, to get something over on you, pull, you know, pull the wool over your eyes and so on. They are just trying to get done what they need to get done. And, and and do it well within the confines of the event. And uh, if we can continue to work together to find ways to make that successful, um, then we win. And that will make for better events. That will make for a much, uh, much better group of people to work with on site so that we can really just create and create awesome creative experiences for people uh, that they want to come back to. As we uh, as we grow out of this, man, and we find some really cool stuff, we see some really awesome things that are just going to be amazing. So, those are my thoughts. Um, cool. You know, I think that uh, we should probably bring Dwayne in here for a minute and let him kind of give us a quick update on where the Live Events Coalition is, what they've been doing with the political arm of the events industry as it's been newly founded in the last twelve months. And uh, I'm really excited to hear about it. So let's bring Dwayne in and uh, see where we're at. Guys, we're here with Dwayne Thomas, the governmental affairs liaison for the Live Events Coalition. And, you know, we wanted to get a quick update on what's going on in Washington uh, and other governments that are around the country. I mean, the, the Live Event Coalition is a growing body of uh, groups of professionals from the live events industry that really are beginning to advocate on behalf of our industry, something that we've never had. Uh, and so we wanted to just take five minutes real quick, get Dwayne's update on what's happening, what's going on uh, around the country. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Dwayne, give us a quick update. Where are we at with legislation and advocacy and all that kind of stuff? Thanks, Jordan. Uh, well, it's been a heck of a um, 14 months, first of all. Um, I, I won't belabor all, all the points of what we have gotten done and what we've influenced to move on to, uh, or honestly, what we haven't gotten done. Um, everybody knows that there's a lot of us that are still falling through the cracks in terms of small and, and medium-sized businesses. Um, we're, we're proud to have gotten worker relief, you know, in the form of unemployment done, but Still, there's a lot of a small business hanging out there. So that's really the drum we're beating right now, have been for a minute now. Uh, let's say by the beginning of the second or third week of January, we already knew what we were going to be left 
walked out of. So we we began the conversation then and have tried everything, SBO to be butter, uh, to uh, maybe getting our, our feet into the, the restaurant sack. We successfully got caterers in there. So that was a win. But there's still about 80% of the industry is still left without any significant relief now that their PPP second draw has run out. So candidly, what we're working on right now, we, we, we stopped short of giving it a name, of naming the vehicle that they bring us the relief through, because there are so many kind of nebulous little proposals floating around the hill right now. Some of them do involve amending the SBOG, but they tend to amend the SBOG and only let one small group in, like hospitality, or like the trade show industry specifically, or this or that or the other thing. So we, what we've decided is that we're going to take an industry agnostic approach. When we talk to our members of Congress and when we talk to the media and we talk to all inter other interested parties on uh, in terms of advocacy, we do talk about our industry because it's the one we know and we know how hard hit we are. We can say the numbers, but we also are aware that there are others who are in the same boat. So we, we know that the trick here is to not allow Congress to pick winners and losers again. That we don't want to commit the same sin that's already been committed. Yes, SVOG is great for performance venues and talent agencies. That's we're fantastically happy for them. Yes, restaurants turns out we, we're going to be able to get caterers some help through that. But we we, we don't want to do another one of these uh, that does anything other than allow you to qualify because your revenue threshold is so low that you now meet the standards. We also want to make sure the very hardest hit get help first and get help the most so if you're down 75 percent in your comparison period your pandemic period over your period the year before you should get more help than the ones who are down 50 percent and they should get more help than the ones who are down 25 percent having nothing to do with what industry you're in we're just one of the industries that's going to be fighting for that along those lines and this is important lec is now officially partnered with three other industry organizations, sister organizations, if you will. That would be the American Rental Association, which everybody knows is going to include a whole lot of people in the events business to do party and event rentals. Uh, roughly 30% of their membership uh, fits that bill. So they're he heavily lobbying with us now. The next one is American uh, Society of Travel Advisors, basically travel agencies. Their businesses are all down 75% plus, and they're all small businesses, all mom and pop. Just a handful or more than 50 or 60 people in them. And then the last one is the uh, International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. We are working on other sister industry organizations such as Motor Coach, American DJ, um, Destinations International, uh, Small Business Majority, uh, folks like this to also come on board this new kind of coalition of coalitions that we've built. And by the way, we're, we're calling it the Economic Bridge Coalition. Uh, we're just finishing our position piece, um, literally today. I just got out of a meeting with all the organization's lobbyists. And so that piece is done. We're throwing logos on it. And we just finished our first press release, which launches on Monday. So that's kind of another thing, let's call it overarching for LEC. Now we're not alone. We have partners in crime fighting. And most importantly, these partners in crime are in sister industries that we all meshed well with each other. And there's a lot of overlap. Um, and again, we're going to try to build uh, the number of organizations involved in this effort. Consensus building, um, hard as it is, when you're talking about folks who all have the same story to tell, and that story is, I'm about to lose my business if I don't 
get some help. I've taken on all the debt I can take. I've drained my savings. If you find other organizations that have those stories to tell, building the consensus is actually easier than you think. It's actually harder to get the Zoom meeting than once you're in the Zoom meeting, getting that consensus. So, um, so on the Hill, uh, you know, they have infrastructure fever right now up there and, and they have a whole lot of pandemic relief fatigue. That's as candid as I can make it. And I don't want your listeners to think, well, it's not gonna happen for us. You know, we don't, of course, know if it will happen for us, but we're definitely not, we're not done. And, and there, there's good news every day. Every single day we have another champion on the Hill. Um, we are now at 76 point something percent saturation uh, on the 45 members of Congress that are in the two uh, small business committees in the Senate and the House. Wow. We are through 76% of them with meetings with the members. Uh, we have just a few outliers. There's a few where we already know we're not going to talk to. We already know what their position is going to be. But, but the saturation solid. And we're actually at the point where we're circling back around with them and we're connecting the folks that we've talked to that have said the similar things. So in other words, if somebody from uh, Chairman Cardin's office said, who are you, who are you talking to? Um, it, 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 Chris, Chris Coons's office, because he, because he knows them well, right? And we're going to connect them and, and let them talk about what we talk separately with both of those offices about. And so we're, we're fomenting the conversation, making sure it continues. We're also aware of one particular effort to create, um, and I'm going to say this, I don't like saying it, but we're not specific about what you call our program, but I'll just tell you that some, somebody is working on a PPP round three. And we became aware of it about a month ago. And so we've been invited in to help with legislative text to make sure that the rules change enough on it that it is automatic, that it gets forgiven, um, that the amount that is awarded slides with the amount that you've lost and that the hardest hit get help first. Um, so that is underway. We do not know if this particular Senate is Senator is going to actually drop this bill, but we are writing it. Uh, so that is definitely forward motion. Um, it is a freshman Senator, I'll say that. So he's very hungry. He wants to get a star on the sidewalk. And we have honestly on the house side, we have uh, a freshman congressperson who also wants their star on the sidewalk and is in a, the, the other party. So things like that have started to take root um, I'm, it goes so fast for us, the change and the number of things we have to absorb and the moods, how they shift and who's working on what shifts and no, you can't talk to them anymore because they're about to drop this other bill uh, and they're going to be inaccessible for two weeks. And at the same time, it moves fast. Jordan, I will tell you, it moves colossally slow, just mutantly slow compared to what all of us in the events business are used to. You know, yeah. we have deadlines. We know how to get it done fast. We know how to get it done on budget. Um, it, it's not like that with governance. It, 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 you're, you're frantically moving at a snail's pace, if I can put it simply. <laughs> and, and that's about that's kind of the, the, the that's the 30,000 foot view maybe 15,000 foot view of what's going on the days are full they're often frustrating but they're often you walk away going okay I think we moved the needle a little bit today awesome. and um, I, I, I remain confident 
Um, I will stop short of saying, like I said a minute ago, I'll stop short of saying that it's going to happen. I can't know that. Um, but, but this government affairs group at Live Events Coalition is, is all full-time. There's six of us. This is all we do. Uh, I got one person. All she does is just go out state to state. We'll identify a member of Congress that we need to talk to, and she will go find me constituents in that district that have stories to tell like yours and mine. Yeah. And that's 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 a really heavy lift. And she's just one of these badger people that'll just go after it, does not care. She'll just write the letter. And that's what the work looks like. You have to drop your pride. You have to drop your fear um, and, and go get it. And and if, if any group can do it, I suppose it would be a group like ours. We're not perfect. We're always looking for help. Uh, we're looking for people who have a mind like this that, that can that can cut through the clutter. So if there's any of your listeners out there that want to, you know, go to the liveeventscoalition.org website and, and find out how you can volunteer. You can actually click on government affairs and, and we'll get to meet you and hear what you have to say and, and hear what you might have to offer. Awesome. Um, yeah. Cool. So then, of course, continue, continue to uh, reach out to your congressmen and your senators, keeping uh, the advocacy on the front lines of, of making sure that they understand that we've had we're, we're, we're at month 14 at this point and still going. And so still going. we're about ready to hit that mark. Uh, I want to say tomorrow is month 14. Yeah, something like that completed. And, and yes, to your to your point is never it's never not good to reach out to your own congressperson or your own senator, your own U.S. senator, and to just, you know, don't go in the weeds about what the fix is. Go into the weeds about what the problem is. Tell your story. Tell what happened to your business. Tell how you've still kept your doors open. And you're pounced and ready once the business comes back. And be sure right now, what one of the things we hear is, well, everything's reopening. You'll be fine in a minute, won't you? And candidly, no. No, that's not how the business cycle works in events. As soon as states and all states, I want to say, are open, 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 then our clients will start saying, okay, now we go full throttle. Yes, a handful of things are happening. No, it won't. And for most businesses, it won't look like 2019 looked. So yeah. we got a bit to go here. And let's, let's not forget, we just suffered 14 months almost completely without revenue, without actually completely without revenue. Now, how much gas do you think we have in the tank to gear back up? So it's a combination of just being able to gear up and get to do the work and then waiting for the work to actually come in and, and write the check to us. Yeah. That, that's why we call this the Economic Bridge Coalition, this new coalition we've, we've built with the other orgs. Uh, so be sure when you call your congressman or senator you're welcome to, to mention our name and you know that you're you you've heard we're working on it i just want to let you know i'm one of the people that's in that industry don't go down the rabbit hole on on how it is they're going to fix it they're going to fix it how they fix it you let them know you need a financial bridge and you can't take on any more debt you've already taken on part of your ppp didn't get forgiven or you got an idle loan or or, or all of the above You've yep. already drained your savings, right? Say the real human story. That's what, as their constituent, they need to hear from you. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Well, I love it, man. Well, Dwayne, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to dive in and uh, give us a, a quick update on what's going on. Uh, great, great words on letting people know what the issues are because they're already working on fixes. And so just voicing your opinion on what the fix should be uh, as one individual versus being a, a crowd of voices that say, here is what the problem is. Now come up with a solution um, is, is definitely by far the way to go, I think, in government advocacy. Um, you know, because we have professionals like, you know, those in the live event coalition who are writing these these bills and these documents that help them better understand how to actually fix the problem on a on a, you know, countrywide scale versus just in little bits and pieces around the country. So thanks, Fair Dwayne. Enough, I appreciate yeah. it. And um, uh, any, anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Bring me up. I'm happy to, you know, give the latest uh, any anytime. And remember, everybody, turn your turn your fear into fight and your worry into work. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming. And we'll talk to you soon, Dwayne. Have a great day. Cheers. Take care. Great updates. We've got a lot going on in the live event industry. Thankfully, we're seeing things come back and come back quickly. Be ready. Be prepared for the future that you're going to have as a successful event professional. Brush up on your skills. Get things ready to go. And we'll see you next time here on the Gig Ready Podcast.